Hello everybody, Julian Charles here of TheMindsRenewed.com, coming to you as usual from the depths of the Lancashire countryside here in the UK, and welcome to TMR number 227, which is the continuation of the conversation I was having with Anthony Rutuno a few weeks back on his latest album called Through Life, which we concentrated on last time, but the conversation also went on to talk about his previous album, Adventures in Retrospect, and that is going to be the focus of this part of the conversation today in this podcast. Now, for those of you who don't know, Anthony is a longtime friend of TMR, having been on the podcast several times over the lifetime of The Mind Renewed, which is now in its seventh year of existence. When I started this, I had no notion that it was going to exist after all that time, but it does. It is here. It certainly, of course, had its ups and downs with the various uncertainties of life getting in the way of uh, productivity but it is here and it's looking like more regular podcasting is just around the corner uh, the delay in this week's show coming out notwithstanding anyway uh, that's a considerable relief to me that it looks not just like the light is at the end of the tunnel but that i'm now actually nearing the end of the tunnel Anyway, Anthony, as I say, has been on many times before, discussing all manners of subjects. He's a very interesting chap, a good friend, I would say. He would not, I think, I think I'm right in saying he would not identify as a Christian believer, but he would say he's certainly a spiritual person. I would agree, he's a spiritual person. And uh, anyway, we have a great deal in common as regards our concern about what's going on in the world. And I think many similarities in our approach to the arts and, and, and a number of things, actually. So uh, a lot of that comes out in this conversation. Um, anyway, uh, again, for those of you who are new to TMR, let me repeat that uh, although the mind renewed is necessarily a reflection of my way of seeing the world, it's my production, so it's going to be that. Um, it's not supposed to be a closed shop of just talking to people who agree with me on worldview matters. Of course, many times I will speak to such people, but very often I speak to people with whom I have fundamental disagreement. But TMR is about is much broader than that. It is, at least in part, about speaking to many different people from all kinds of backgrounds and finding points of commonality, points of mutual concern, so as hopefully to build bridges between us in our differences and similarities in a world where, quite frankly, we are frequently being artificially divided. Our differences are being exaggerated for political purposes. So there we are. That is a taste of TMR. It is a Christian podcast, but it's not, hopefully, a narrowly defined kind of podcast. Um, anyway, I hope you get the, the picture, and I do. Of course, if you are new to this, I encourage you to go through the archives and get a taste of quite what it is about. Um so, that having been said, we pick up on the conversation at the point where we left it. I do encourage you, if you haven't heard the first part, to go and listen to that first and then listen to the rest of this. So, Anthony and I, having talked about Through Life and played some of the music, we then go on to talk about his previous album, which I also recommend, Adventures in Retrospect, and enjoy some of the music from that album as well. So, I leave you... Noting that this, of course, was recorded before he went to India, uh, and he has now since returned uh, to the UK safe and sound, having had an amazing but quite emotionally draining experience, but safe and sound back in the UK. So here it is, the continuation of our conversation, and I look forward to speaking to you again in the very near future. 
Okay, I wanted to ask about adventures in retrospect. Just a couple of things, mm. really. I mean, I mentioned earlier on about the truthy aspect, which mm. I thought was a little stronger in this previous album. Um, yeah. And I'm just looking at some of the notes here. I mean, you've got one of the songs was called New World, and then in brackets, Order. So that's in your face straight away. Oh, what's going on here? Yeah. And then with The Fool's Guide, which is another song, mm. one of the phrases you have there is, there's a thought crime in my head. Okay, mm. so that's Orwellian terminology there. Mm. And... Uh, the end of one of the songs you actually have you saying something like let's tell them it was jet fuel and you've got the audience chuckling with you yeah. uh, which obviously is a reference to 9-11 mm. uh, actually let me ask you about that did you actually do that live and was that a real audience reaction to your comment there no 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 i, oh. I um <laughs> what i did was um it was based on um a poster which is a uh, cheney Bush and Rumsfeld yeah. all laughing and they've obviously been superimposed they're not actually all together and right. in the background is the towers burning and the caption says something like let's tell them it was jet fuel which is obviously the right. alternative media yeah. idea that uh, it wasn't jet fuel but it was um, what's the explosive they were supposed to have used? Nanothermite oh, nanothermite, yeah. the going That's hypothesis yeah. yeah so I just sort of chucked that in and then the audience is just a sound effect um, from somewhere <laughs> Yeah. I just put them together. I just thought it worked really well. You threw it in just at the end of the song, and it does work yeah. well, actually. So this is yeah. New World Order. Mm. It is very truthy. Um, mm. And inside the lyrics you have, keep yourself free and stay with me. I'll be a leader if you want me to be. Mm. What's all that about? What's that? <laughs> Are you offering to be a leader of some sort, Anthony? Uh, only a leader of maybe one person. <laughs> um, I suppose it's in a roundabout way. It's saying, I've got stuff to teach you. I suppose I'm not offering myself as a leader of any movement. No, but um, no. yeah, I think I think to be perfectly honest, those lyrics again, they just came out and they just seemed to fit. And yeah. new well, yeah, the idea I added the order. The order's actually in brackets. It is, yeah. So there's a nice bit. Um, it was a lady called Julianne Athon, who's another person who worked with me on a few songs. She's got a lovely voice. She's a songwriter herself. And there was this bit, um, a changing of their minds, a new world for our time. And that was supposed to be quite hopeful. And it's yeah, yeah, the idea that we can, you know, probably through the internet, I suppose, now we can change the world. You know, the old 60s idea, but updated to the 20th century. Is that what the line, there's a possibility, is referring to? Yeah, the possibility yeah. of changing things. Yeah. I'll say it again. Yeah, there's yeah. a possibility of a changing of their minds. Mm. And again, that's the idea that um, you have to change the way people think. You know, um, what was it we called it? Changing, changing the, the discourse, discourse. <laughs> yes. conversation. Yes. See, it all links. That's up. right. It does. Beautiful. Yeah. Um, and then I just added order. You could almost say it was a joke, but it was a reference to sure. that idea of new world order. They make you feel small, give you nothing at all. They say they're so fair, but they don't really care.
favorite songs that one but uh meaning mm. musically uh, it's kind of a it's an attempt at reggae that i yes. don't always think works but uh, i think it did. some people seem to like yeah, it i but... think so mm. and you had the nice bossa nova moment didn't you in that album in that album yeah that was a cover and that was julianne that singing was again distant dreams yeah, yeah we we're very pleased with that one yeah it was very nice yeah um, the drummer on that track, and in fact the drummer on uh, I think nearly all of the songs of the last two albums, is a fellow called Ernesto Pestana from Cuba. I would say he's unlike anyone I've ever met, really. He's got the timekeeping of a Cuban, and I, I know that because I used to have a Cuban girlfriend many years ago. The way I met him was quite strange because um, I saw him on a video of uh, one of our other bands, of a friend of ours. And uh, the very next day I saw him at this open mic that I mentioned earlier. And then I think the day after that, I randomly saw him in the street. He was handing out leaflets or something and uh, for one of his gigs. And I thought, well, this is serendipitous. So I invited him to come and jam with us. And we immediately got on well. And then I found out as we were chatting, he said, where are you from? And I said, oh, you've never heard of it. Don't worry. And I, he said, where? And I said, oh, this is all in Spanish, by the way. And I said, I'm from Egham uh-huh. in Surrey. And Egham is, uh, I don't know if you've heard of Egham, but it's a pretty nondescript place. I've heard of it. Yeah, I've never been yeah. there. <laughs> it's sort of off the M25. It's near, uh, near Windsor and quite near Staines. And he said, oh, I used to live there. I'm like, what? <laughs> And it turned out, I mean, it's not actually that strange because there's a quite famous university there called Royal Holloway, Royal Holloway College. Oh, that's right. London University was actually the same university I went to, but not that college. Yeah. Oh, right, right. Mm -hmm. I don't know. Maybe I'm a bit of a sucker for serendipity, but uh, Anessa's an amazing guy. I mean, he's he's actually a jazz drummer and his personality and his playing are both very exuberant and very, I would say, childlike in the best possible way. Hmm. The hardest thing for him was keeping uh, a steady rock beat because it's not really his wheelhouse. But when he was able to do that, then he would add all these touches and he's, he loves, you know, adding cymbal flourishes and things. And uh, he's just added so much. I'm so pleased that I met him. And that song in particular, Bossa Nova, was much more, yeah, I said, his wheelhouse. So. so was he playing on the current album as well? Yeah, yeah. 
Yeah. And so from my heart, I noticed the sort of jazzy cross rhythm on the cymbal. That, exactly. that was him putting that in, was it? Yeah. Lovely. Yeah. He wrote it really well. Yeah. yeah. He's brilliant, yeah. Mm. If I could mention just one more musician, if you don't mind. Yeah, go on. Mm-hmm. Um, David Ernsberger, who, um, uh, I don't know if you're into tennis, but Peter, this is a strange segue, but Peter Fleming um, used to play doubles with John McEnroe. And Peter Fleming said, the best doubles combination in the world is John McEnroe and anyone. <laughs> And I would probably say the best harmony duo in the world is David Ernsberger and anyone. <laughs> but uh, I'm a bit uh, reluctant to say that in public because I don't want to insult other people who sing <laughs> harmonies with him. Right. He and I met four or five years ago. We, we've been pretty close friends in Madrid. And he's got a lovely, we kind of kid him that he's got a sort of angelic voice. But he can also do rock as well. And he's a country, predominantly a country uh, artist. He writes his own songs. And his harmonies and everything just added so much. He's a harmonica player. He did harmonica on the last album. Oh, yeah. So uh, those are the core. I think I'll say myself, Ernesto, David, and Kester are the sort of the core musicians that I've worked with. Excellent. We've had a couple of people. David Bornstein, who's got his own band. He did some harmonies on the last album. And Simon, who I mentioned. Excellent. Yeah. And want to plug all my yeah yeah do <laughs> plug away yes uh, however um, could you say something about the song number four on Adventures in Retrospect so this is another truthy kind of song this is called the Fool's Guide and mm. this is the one that has this phrase thought crime in my head mm. there's a lot of stuff about propaganda media TV yeah. and the iPhones get mm. you have it in for iPhones in this one um, <laughs> um, you you uh, you complain about people um, being fools for believing what they read and what they see on the TV and you say yeah. I can't take it right now. So, uh, mm. go on, how did that one just hate? Well, the thought came running through my head. Uh, that was a fellow called James Jarman. I credit him for that. He and I were jamming a song which had a, a rude title, People Are, and then a word beginning with <laughs> And we were kind of joking. You know, we were only, uh, you know, I think we'd had a few drinks, actually. And we were expressing a sort of frustration with people, and we, we took it out on them in that way. Mm. But obviously, I sanitized the lyrics. Isn't, isn't there a um, danger there of elitism, saying, oh, people, as if you're not a person yourself? Well, I think we, I think we talked about this before. I, I, do, <laughs> I do have, I do have a, a basis on which to give my opinions about the masses or whatever, because I did work with activists. Mm-hmm. And uh, as I told you on a previous podcast, we used to stand on uh, Oxford Street, and we had a sign saying, we have important questions, see us here sort of tongue-in-cheek mm. but we were asking the public what they thought about things and we were quite shocked yeah unless they were hiding what they really thought we were quite shocked by people's ignorance so it is based on on experience i'm not just is this the one where you ask people have you heard of noam chomsky is it yeah that was one of the questions uh no what <laughs> yeah i changed the number every time because i can't remember but it was something like six out of 50 people i mean it just you know but there but there are other ones where we ask people about things i was shocked by how innocent people were really about things outside the mainstream and and you and i have talked about this and i consider this my best song basically it's a it's a long song and it's got lots of different bits and i think it all work really well but it's my statement really it is having a go at people and saying that they're fools you know including me i'm a fool in many ways for believing what they read and believing what they see and they can't take it right now kester said he as a producer he's sort of my sounding board as well and and he said you should uh, repeat this i can't take it right now and um, the opinions are like iPhones. There's a famous, uh, I can't swear, can I? No. <laughs> There's a famous, um, opinions are like, uh, well, people have rear ends. Everybody's got. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so I thought, I didn't want to like, obviously quote someone else's line. So I changed the opinions are like iPhones. Everybody's got one. And um, yeah. And there's a few things. What's the waltz about? You suddenly go into a waltz at a certain point. Um, again, that's probably a 60s thing. 
I can't think of any songs off the top of my head. Mm. There are 60s songs, probably Beatles songs and other people. Mr. Kite or something. Oh, yeah, Mr. Kite goes into a waltz. I wouldn't say that one because that's probably <laughs> not one of my favourite mm. Beatles songs, although I do like it. I can't think of a specific example, but that all came... Uh, I did a demo on the piano. I set my recorder going. I have a lovely, like, Zoom recorder I use. I set it going, and I have a songwriting session of normally 10 or 15 minutes, and stuff comes out. And then you record it, and you listen back, and you keep the good stuff. And so I was very, I was very pleased with that. People are lies, are your wife, and people are grunts, back to front, and people are dreams, oh, so it seems, and I can't take them right now I can't take them right now Can't get out of my bed There's a thought crime running through my head Can't take these rules And people are fools Who believe what they read And believe what they see Believe what they see on the TV Opinions are like iPhones Everybody's got one And narcissists are like broken hearts Everybody knows one And uh, there's a double meaning of the word tools. Uh, <laughs> right. Tool in America is a way of uh, saying uh, idiot. Or, right. And then, of course, tools of the establishment. So, yes. And you actually say, I'm a tool as well. Exactly. Right? So you admit that there is manipulation that we're, yeah. you yourself, and I would include myself in this, that we are subject to and we can't avoid it altogether. Very important. Yeah. Because this is what mm. I say to people. I would say I'm less manipulated than the average person because I've mm. realized that we're manipulated and I've made a mm. point of, you know, trying to think freely. You know, that previous song we were talking about, uh, Keep Yourself Free, is to do with, uh, yeah. you know, keep your freedom of expression. Absolutely. And you've, you've described yourself as a free thinker as well, haven't you, on your yeah. blog? Have you still got that blog going? Um, I did two things recently. I did something about the Titanic, which is another preoccupation of mine, yeah. which is an incredible story. And I've done an audio version. Which I haven't heard it yet, but you've got it on YouTube, I've noticed. I'll link to that as well. I yeah. think it's actually very effective. I think mm. my voice has really improved through doing... I have my own podcast about John Lennon. Which I, yeah, I was going to ask about that as well, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Go on then, tell us about... Because you did right at the beginning, you said, oh, I'd missed out the fact that you're a podcaster. You are also a podcaster, and you yeah. have this podcast called Glass Onion about... Mm. 
John Lennon, and you've interviewed some quite important people connected to the Beatles, haven't you? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's called Glass Onion, colon, on John Lennon. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, I've had this knowledge in my head for, you know, nearly 30 years, and I've finally done it. And, um, yeah, I've started a podcast this year, and I had a lot of teething troubles with... Um, I got a defective microphone, first of all. Good start. <laughs> Which you asked me about, and I didn't know how to deal with it. Yeah, yeah let, let me tell the listeners, Julian was extremely patient listening <laughs> to my stupid questions. I had a bit of a nightmare at the beginning, and then uh, I've had issues with uh, the URL and the website. So I haven't got on iTunes yet, but I've just solved it, courtesy of my lovely niece, Olivia, who was staying with us for a few days. The main place is SoundCloud, is it, to get it out? Yeah, the SoundCloud. Yeah. But iTunes are now called Apple Music. When they've um, mm. accepted the URL... That will link directly. So I basically put it on SoundCloud, but it links to Stitcher Radio and uh, iTunes. And then I'm on Twitter and obviously Facebook to just put the links and everything. It's been great. I mean, uh, we were talking before, editing is the biggest nightmare just because it takes so long. Absolutely. And I was saying it's just about worth it when you get that lovely product where there's no errs and ums and it just sounds (laughs) like it's wonderfully smooth, natural, (laughs) quote-unquote, conversation. Yeah. It's worth it, yeah. yeah it is it, a product, and uh, I think it's quite important to get rid of all the coughs and the sneezes. I just can't bear that. You know, think, oh, oh, I'm going to mm. take this earbud out. The person's just coughed really loudly. It's got to go. Um, so I think it's just a, well, to some extent, yeah. it's a respect to the audience, isn't it? Yeah. Final final thing on the Fool's Guide, actually. Um, no. So as you said earlier, I, I'm, I'm calling myself a tool because I don't want to say, oh, I know everything, and I'm not manipulated, and you are. Yes. And there's a couple of other things. Um, there's a lyric, I'm your changes of mood, I'm a drug in your food. And again, as I was saying earlier, it's lovely to get something that you want to say to the world. Just a single line, and that's talking about food is full of drugs, basically. And all the food you buy from Sainsbury's or I don't know about American supermarkets. I don't know the names of them, but it's the same. More or less everything you buy is processed and contains chemicals. Full of pesticides and stuff. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, and the idea is that food... Uh, processed food changes your mood doesn't just change your weight everybody's obsessed with the physical side of it oh, i'm going to put on weight if i eat too much mcdonald's but it's also going to mess with your head as well <laughs> i noticed that i think it was a horizon program i saw a little bit of it talking about pesticides being sprayed on fruit and vegetables and how mm. you know in the past it's tended to be said well you know this pesticide's okay certain limits safe within limits but what's not been looked at so much is the fact that these are in combination and mm. they've increased in their use over the decades and so now you've got this noxious combination of large numbers of pesticides and now concerns are being expressed to the extent that a program like horizon on the bbc actually presents this the stuff of what conspiracy theory in a former mm-hmm. decade you know it's interesting how these things actually yeah. come to light when they get bad enough in some cases mm-hmm. yeah it's nice to buy organic vegetables and the like without being considered a nutcase mm-hmm. now so <laughs> yeah i mean the i mean this is kind of circling around to what we always talk about isn't it this sort of awareness mm. unfortunately i love to be positive you know but i think the majority are still just passively accepting most things and but maybe I shouldn't say that, you know, it's just my impression, you know, but, uh, you know, we're heading in the right direction. Yes, so. I think so. I think awareness is mm-hmm. increasing. But of course, at the same time, I think the oppression is also increasing <laughs> in various mm-hmm. ways. So, yeah, it's an ongoing battle, isn't it? But it's such a lovely thing to get these things out in songs. And mm-hmm. I work harder and harder on my songwriting. Uh, the other song I'd maybe alert people to, because it's a favorite of mine from Adventures of Retrospect, is the last song. Again, I think it's a perfect last song called Life Goes On. Life Goes On, yeah. Yeah. That was an exercise. Um, again, uh, surprise, surprise, John Lennon influence. Mm-hmm. He did a few songs towards the end of the 1960s, specifically one called I Want You, which was about Yoko. 
And the only lyrics are, I want you, I want you so bad, it's driving me mad. And then it goes, she's so heavy is the chorus. And that song's seven and a half minutes and it sustains. So it's a kind of minimalist thing. Yeah. To do something interesting with as little material as possible. Exactly. And I had one on my first album called Take Me, which is also a favorite. And then I had Life Goes On. And uh, there's a lady called Maria Martin, who's a Spanish, uh, she's a multi-instrumentalist, but I think she's predominantly a violinist. And she just came to Kester's house and she'd heard the song and I gave her extremely vague instructions and she came up with this magical violin part, absolutely gorgeous, in about half an hour or 45 minutes. But I, it was nice to have that exercise in, in minimalism because in a, in a funny way, uh, I almost think minimalism is the future. I don't know if that makes sense. but uh, Is it? I thought it was very much the 60s. Was it's impressive, you know, to write a good song. You're still in the 60s, Anthony. That's the problem. Yeah, <laughs> I am. Yeah, you see, well, Paul McCartney said the 60s hasn't happened yet, which I, I have no idea what that means. But uh, now I think it's this idea of, um, well... Have you ever read uh, Slaughterhouse-Five by Kurt Vonnegut, or have you heard of it? I have neither read it nor heard of it, no. Okay, well, well I I mean, have you heard of Catch-22? Yes. Yeah, it's sort of in the same vein, because it skips around. I, I think Slaughterhouse-Five came out afterwards. He was talking about, um, because it chops from past, present, future, it chops around just like Catch-22. He was saying that um, it's possible to exist in every time period. Hmm. The idea being that you don't have to consider the past as the past and the future. If you try and think of it as you're existing in all those time things at the same time, it sort of I don't know, has a kind of a liberating hmm. thing. Not sure I can make sense of that. But, no, uh, yeah, I explained that really badly. I mean, <laughs> Sorthouse 5 is not supposed, again, to be literally. It, some of it is nonsensical. Hmm. I suppose the idea is like not being locked, not having the past, present and future locked into those time periods. Hmm. You can exist in all of them. I know, it's very abstract. But you can't, can you? <laughs> right. <laughs> well, I mean, I immediately think theologically, classically, you know, there's the idea that God is outside time, so God sees all time as present to God. Yes. Um, but that's not me, that's God. I mean, even if that, oh, see, right. even if that is true, mm. you know what I mean? I mean, others would say, for example, William Lane Craig would say that God actually is directly related to time so the future and the past are the future and the past for god like they are for us right. so i mean that's just one particular theological view that mm. god is outside time but again that will be god not me i'm in time i'm here the past is past to me the future's future to me you know so i don't quite know what that would mean yeah it just it just yeah some things just resonate with you and you you mm. can't always quite explain them but no 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 fair well, enough yeah mm. yeah well, um, when I meditate, sometimes random things come from the past that I haven't thought about for 20 years because I've cleared the space for them. Okay, but they're things of the past. They're not the present. I mean, you just said they're, they're from the past. So No, no, I, I understand. All, mm -hmm. Yeah, all I was going to say was that they come into my mind. But when you're meditating or when I go into fairly deep meditation, I'm very present. So I suppose that memory, when you meditate quite deeply, it can seem very present. It doesn't seem like a distant memory. I, I know that's a terrible right. explanation. I mean, that's just my, that's just how yeah. I experience. No, that now makes sense of it. It seems mm. as if it's in the present when mm. it is in fact something from the past. That's coherent. Mm. I suppose in sort of as five, he's saying, uh, I don't know, to try and live in an all-encompassing way somehow. Mm. Yeah, a little bit vague, but when I read it, it just resonated with me, and you know. Well, because this was the song sense. "Life Goes On," and you mentioned the mm. was it John Lennon influence there. Um, yeah, not the sound of it, but the idea of using the idea of hardly any lyrics. Indeed, yeah. yes. And what came to my mind was David Bowie. Oh, right. 
funnily enough, not really the sound of it, but what was going on and that you had this phrase that was repeating and you just sort of stopped it and then repeated it. Mm. And it reminded me of The Prettiest Star, where he has a melody and it just stops and there's a gap and then it happens again. And it stops and there's a gap and it happens again. And I just thought that's, in a sense, that's a kind of minimalism as well. Yeah. The song, which I, when I first heard it, I thought, this is rubbish, you know. But actually, it's really stuck in my mind. And now I love it, you know. Because yeah. he, he used to use the cut-up method as well, didn't he? I think that came from Burroughs, William Burroughs, of uh, just taking, I don't know if it was newspapers or something, cutting them out and then putting them together randomly and making uh-huh. lyrics out of it. <laughs> right, right. But uh, I'm, not, right. I'm not the world's, right. mass, I'm not a massive Bowie fan. I definitely admire him. Yeah. I just wondered if that was there. Yeah, okay. I think The Life Goes On was um, what we often do again, and Kester's into this idea, is gradually layering vocals. So you've got loads of people singing mm. the same thing. And I like that. Again, you could reference perhaps Hey Jude, you know, na 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 Just the repetitive, so it becomes almost like a mantra. And I think there's no better mantra than Life Goes On, Dear, Please Be Strong, Dear, you know. <laughs> For me, I find that inspirational anyway.
I've been getting into the uh, music of, I think I mentioned before, Morton Feldman um, in mm-hmm. recent couple of years or so. And uh, he's not normally considered to be a minimalist. Well, he's not with us anymore, but uh, a minimalist composer. But, I mean, he is really. A lot of his material is. Um, he seems to have very few basic ideas that he then works on over and over and over again, just varying them from one statement to the next and mm. becomes almost trance-like, you know, listening to this is really meditative trance, experience. that's the word. Sorry, that's the word I was thinking. Yeah, it mm. can be. That's right. And, um, yeah, I've really come to love that, actually, some of his pieces in particular. And, of course, they go on, some of them, for hours. I mean, his second string quartet that I've got into recently goes on for five hours, and it wow. it literally is four or five blocks of contrasting gestures on the string quartet instruments. And he literally has a statement that then gets repeated and then gets repeated and it stops. Mm. And it goes to the next block and he has a statement and it's repeated Mm. and repeated with slight variations and it stops. And it goes on and on and on like this. And you you realize these things are gradually changing. It's all related to Mm. the material he started with. And then sometimes you'll find that a block comes back, which is very much like something you heard earlier. But I find it's a weird experience listening to it because it feels like it's always the same but always different. Mm. It's a weird... (laughs) A weird sort of contradiction, you know. It's a challenge as well, isn't it? Oh, it is. It's a challenge as well to listen to it. I, I don't think I've listened to that one all the way through, actually. Mm. What I tend to do is to stick my earbud in and go to sleep. Mm. <laughs> listen to half an hour and I'm asleep, and then I try to listen to a different section of it. Well, I think I think an idea I've been trying to develop is it's just a very simple idea. There aren't really any rules. and uh, Actually, you know, Yoko Ono is hugely maligned, but um, I actually like some of her stuff. And uh, I read a book called The Beatles and the Avant-Garde. You know, avant-garde is supposed to be sort of progressive or experimental. And there was a whole section about her. And after I read it, I had this wonderfully liberating feeling. I think you can do anything. Absolutely. And that's that's one of Morton Feldman's big things. There Mm. aren't any rules. He was Mm. very much complaining about students because he was a teacher at Buffalo um, in the United States. And uh, he was complaining about them saying, you know, they come to university and they want to write a good piece. (laughs) <laughs> he said, that's mm. the problem. They mm. want to write a good piece. In other words, they are trying to find out what are the acceptable rules for doing something. And mm. this is almost a quote from him. He, he said that when he composed, he asked the question, well, not what should I do next? What shouldn't I do next? <laughs> yeah, yeah. What's the wrong thing to do? But, you know, not just complete rubbish, but, you know, what's the unacceptable thing to do? Now, let, let's make that work. You know what I mean? Let's mm. make that a musical experience. And I think, yeah, mm. what an interesting way of thinking about creativity. What's the wrong thing to do? <laughs> When we did uh, when we did the truth comedy, you were mm. talking about Andy Kaufman. Remember? Yeah, I was. Yeah. You know, and he was giving a, a bad comedy performance, yeah. but it worked. You <laughs> yes, know? that's right. Yes. So yes. what's good and what's bad? Absolutely. Yeah. yeah, you change the context, don't you? Mm. It's right. I think I just trust. I trust my instincts more now, just through experience. Mm. And I don't honestly, Julian. You almost say I don't really care. I'm not making money from my music. I put it online. I don't. I have a fair idea that it's pretty decent. A lot of it. I don't care. Sounds very negative, but it, it's more in a in a way of liberating myself. You know, if I was a professional musician, I would really try not to read reviews with a passion. You know, oh, yes. I would try and avoid them with a passion. I should say. Absolutely. I mean, you take virtually any really famous composer, and you'll find reviews at the time that slate that composer, and you think, "What? You've talked about you know, Stravinsky's Rite of Spring or whatever like that." It's just this absolute classic now. So, I mean, it's nonsense. Yeah, it's just so judgmental. And again, you know, a lot of people will base their ideas of like, should I see this film? Should I see this? On a review and you're immediately being told what to think. Psycho, Alfred Hitchcock, he had a brilliant idea of uh, Janet Leigh is basically the main character for 45 minutes and then she gets brutally murdered in the shower. 
not only the fact that it, you know, he's making a horror film, but the fact that we've been following this woman for 45 minutes, wondering what's going to happen, because she basically absconds with her employer's money. And then suddenly she's killed and she's out of it. It's like, oh, that story's gone. Uh, oh, hang on, you've killed off your leading lady randomly. <laughs> and that, that got terrible reviews. And I mean, we could go on ad nauseum of yeah. classic albums and things. Yeah. Mm. So uh, keep an open mind, everybody. Absolutely. And you're right not to take notice of these things. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, so I'm going to, yet again, uh, draw people's attention to the Bandcamp site. Mm-hmm. Do go to the show notes. Oh, dear, there's my two-year-old making a huge noise with his uh, wooden trolley on a stone floor. Oh, dear. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, do go over to the show notes for this show, and the links will be mm-hmm. there to Bandcamp, to Through Life and Adventures in Retrospect, and also the Glass Onion podcast, yeah. and the blog, and the YouTube um, of Antonio Tuna, yeah. where he has a number of presentations, including the uh, the Titanic. Yeah. Um, so thanks oh that noise that's irritating Uh, thanks ever so much Anthony for coming on it's been a delight to speak to you and I think Mm. we're going to end with one of those songs we we talked about earlier on Um, Mm. is there anything that you you want to say to end with Um, Um, well a couple of other links actually oh okay yeah sure Uh, I have a SoundCloud page, which is soundcloud.com forward slash Anthony without an H, Rotuno, R-O-T-U-N-N-O. Uh-huh. That's, um, SoundCloud's a sort of place where I put uh, demos and live performances. And then on YouTube, if you if you type in the Backfield Plan, that was my band in Madrid, and there's, we've just got tons of – I mean, I'm, I'm everywhere now. I've got all my stuff out there in the last few years, so plenty of stuff. Um, really, yeah, I mean, for anyone writing songs – <laughs> don't believe what you read and hear <laughs> try not to judge it you know use your instincts and you know and you know i have a couple of trusted sounding boards uh that i send my songs to and it all comes around to the same thing all the things we've ever talked about julian is just think for yourself you know don't trust me find out for yourself yeah i'm a tool yeah. as well so don't yeah. trust me <laughs> exactly that's right good and i hope we'll have many more conversations yeah. whether you're in india or mm. perhaps back in spain or in the uk permanently whatever wherever you are i do hope we'll have more conversations one of which yeah. we are planning to be talking about the problems of war yeah. the machine of war but no doubt other things as well so i look forward to those conversations thank you very much for coming on and for the permission to play your music which i'm sure we've all enjoyed so thanks very much anthony a pleasure to speak to you as always yeah you too well thank you very much because you approached me a few days ago it was a lovely surprise especially as i'm just about to leave for six weeks all the best lovely to talk about this because uh you know it does mean a lot to me and this this album was more personal and as i said right at the top of the conversation the lady vesta who did the artwork she encouraged me to to think about themes and and I realize that all these songs uh, do have a personal connection. That's just a lovely thing to be able to do that. Mm. You know, smashing. Get these things out to the world that you want to say as well. Absolutely. So thank you very much. You're, you're very welcome. Good to speak to you again. All right. All the best. Let's tell him it was jet fuel. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good one. Very good.